to say yes sir and then the bible goes on to say eh eh if you are obedient you are calling the bible ala ba shake bredo sokolo hey hallelujah ah no let's do this thing give me first peter chapter 3 i feel the anointing to teach this thing if the light goes on it's not enough it's not enough for the light to go on the bible says the light shines No, my life will not just go on. It's not enough that you cleared. You have to be excellent. Your life, no, 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 it's, it's not enough that you feel before. And he has put all things under his side, under his side. So the Bible says God created man in his own image and likeness, right? And then he gave him instructions to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish the earth and correct. Then he put him in the garden and what did he say to him? To tend to it, right? Then he brought a woman to him to marry. Then he brought animals to him to name. So how many things was Adam told to do? What was Adam's main purpose? So Adam's main purpose was to pay attention to the garden. And as he's paying attention to the garden, he was told to multiply, fill the earth. Are you seeing that? So you find that they are majors and they are minors adam's most important instruction was to be obedient to whatever god tells him to do and the moment he doesn't obey what god tells him to do then he has a problem right so a person can have many gifts and talents because the bible shows us that to one he gave how many five right among those five talents there could be some majors and some minors but all of them need to be given attention let me bring it home i have many things but most importantly i'm a pastor but within that calling that god gave me he brought in many things that i'm supposed to also pay attention to i write songs i write books i do all these things which are an outflow of me being called to be a pastor that's like the purpose god placed me into <clears throat> so god will make a person and put many gifts in them to help them achieve that one thing they're supposed to do. So, I'll give you an example as a pastor. I I have a day job, I write books, I write songs, I write movies, I do all these things that I do. What makes me sure that I'm I should be right 
is that all these things I'm doing are feeding into the main calling that God gave me. So there are two tools that God gave me in order that I may properly achieve that one thing he wants me to do. So when God gives you that one thing you are supposed to do, he'll bring many other tools or many other gifts and abilities to feed into that one main thing. Many people's problems is like maybe you are, you are a doctor, but you're also a pastor. And then you focus on being a doctor so that being a pastor is feeding into being a doctor. So you misprioritize your callings and gifts. What is supposed to come first is coming second. And God does not have a problem with us doing many things because that's how he designed us to be. The problem he has is when we begin to misprioritize. We begin to deprioritize the things that we should give utmost and prior priority. So, um, the Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And it says all these things are fine. But now if you seek all these things first and then the kingdom of God later, you are mispositioning your priorities and that is a problem. Does that clear your question? Yeah. So that's the problem God has. Now, I've normally dealt with the question of purpose a lot of times because some people feel like, how about me? What is my purpose? What am I supposed to do? I just want to give um, uh, some kind of a... I need to use this. I, need, I, I want to give just some kind of a very quick guidance on, on purpose. Firstly, for me, myself, I had a problem trying to discover who I was. I didn't know if I was called as a prophet or whatever. Pastor, I didn't know that. Now, all my friends were calling each other names. I'm Apostle this. I'm Prophet Archbishop this. <laughs> I'm Revivalist this. So there were all these things. And I didn't know myself. So I began to, quote-unquote, put God under pressure to tell me, have you called me as an apostle or as a teacher? And you see people tell you everything. What do you think God has called me to, to do? People, ah, you, you are called for wisdom. Yeah, you are the guy for wisdom. Okay, so what's that? <laughs> <laughs> Other people will tell me, yeah, you are a man of God. Right, right. <laughs> so if any of you has had that kind of confusion, just know that you are not alone. So when I tried to put God under pressure like all of us, I discovered that it's a very hard thing to do. You cannot kick against the gods, right? I hope you know what that means. Uh, G-O-A-D, you can't kick against the gods. So God is not in a hurry. And every time you are in a hurry to get things from God, you are walking in the flesh and it's very difficult to persuade God in those circumstances. Uh, so. Even as you are seeking God, there's got to be a proper, uh, a proper order in which you do it because God has a tendency to just keep quiet. Yeah, because you've been there where you really want an answer and then it's just not there. So what I felt was the leading of the Spirit at the time was just do what I tell you to do. Stop asking me all those questions. So I'm the one who actually started in our generation. There was Sir. 
we used to call each other sadis that in our movement days. So I told everyone, call me Sir Daniel. So those who were there in those days, they started calling me Sir Daniel, Sir Daniel, Sir Daniel. And I noticed that I just served as God led me. There are times when the Spirit of God would tell me to pray for someone on the road. Sometimes God would lead me to play the keyboard in the church. God would lead me to start devotions at the time I was writing devotions. So I stopped putting myself under stress. I just began to serve God as he led me. And also to serve God with my gifts and talents. I could sing. I could write. All those are forming part of your purpose, right? Because it's not everyone that God will tell you, I've called you as a, a woman of God to the nations. So arise. <laughs> Go and minister to all the young ladies. But there are what we call leadings of the spirit, which are indicative of God's direction for your life because that's how God gives direction. You've got a voice to sing or you are very tech-oriented. There are people who just feel like fixing what's not broken. Maybe God has called you to be. Oh, sorry, <laughs> fixing. Maybe God has called you to. It's, see, those inclinations we have, the godly inclinations we have when we are in the house of God, they are indicative of what God wants us to do. Okay? Because Nehemiah says, I didn't share with anyone the things that God, put, God, God had put in my heart. So there was a, there was a great assignment on Nehemiah's life. But we don't see God speaking to Nehemiah in that book. There's nowhere where Nehemiah had a, a conversation with God. There are people like that, all they have is a burden. Because a burden is also God's voice in your life. Right? So, in fact, if you have no burden for the house of God, then something is dead inside you. There's some of you who just feel like every night just praying for the church. Why is it that us, we are not praying, we are sleeping? Oh, well, maybe God does not put that burden in us. Like, we all pray, but you, everyone wants to sleep, you just feel like, no, yeah, we need to tarry a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes all you want to do is just speak in tongues. And for some, it's, it, it's, it's, it spans over a longer period of time. There are times like that I have where I'm just locked praying for a period of time. Then there are times when I, I have to work on something for a long period of time. It's the leading of the Spirit. But there are some who prayer is not just a responsibility or a discipline. It's a calling. There are people like that. Everywhere they're just talking about prayer. They can't even preach properly, but they just want to pray. It's okay. That's how God called you. I'll tell you this. that In my life, I have met very few pastors. But I've met a lot of people who can preach. So, uh, number one, the gifts and callings that God has placed on you is indicative of God's voice seeping into purpose. So, one day you'll be judged for not doing what God told you to do. Then you say, I don't remember. Then God said, you, you want me to talk like a human being? What's your problem? What about those dreams you used to have? What about those feelings you used to have? What about those desires you used to have? Like me, I just want to make sure that the Unza branch has its own peer system. How come nobody else had that kind of feeling? See that? 
So don't force God to be like a person. That's why he sends us human beings to preach to you. Because he won't do it. He doesn't want to be like us. He's okay being where he is. So he sends us human beings to do what he wants, what he wants you to do. But as to him talking to you, he will find a way of communicating to you different from the way I am doing it. So maybe your problem could be that you've not learned to discern God's voice and not that he has not been speaking. So the gifts and callings of God are indicative of God's voice over your life. Your desires and, 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 and you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Are you here? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, last verse, when you read it from the Amplified Classic, it says, Who has understood the mind, the counsels and purposes of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge? But we have the mind of Christ. We have. We, have, we are not going to have. And he's not saying, I have. Now, whether you've not believed that you are thinking like Jesus, you're having all the ungodly thoughts have going on in that your head, you, are, you still have the mind of Christ. Whether the issue is that how do I work with the mind of Christ, you still have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. At least that's one good thing to think about. There are people who are always thinking about ungodly thoughts. Sometimes it's the things you watch. You're watching a movie. You've seen people, are, it's about to get steamy. You, <laughs> you have my eyes. Why don't you skip? Watch the other parts. Or better still just eliminate the whole movie. Now you, you are now exercise the fruit of patience. Say, no, no. <laughs> it's not patience. No, no. They grow this curry. So you watch. And then you come, no, no, me, I'm always thinking stupid things. No. <laughs> it's what you think of me. So anyways, I didn't, today I, I didn't want to shout at you. So you make sure that you was, you have the mind, of, but the mind that you feed the most is the one that's going to manifest. Because you have, you have the mind of Christ, but you also have your mind <laughs> in, the, in the same person, right? So the mind that you're going to feed is the one that is going to have dominion over the other. The spirit could be willing, but if the flesh is stronger, all the best. <laughs> Amen. Look at that. He says, but we have the mind of Christ. And the next part says, and do hold the thoughts, the feelings, and purposes of his heart. Most of the times, most of the times, you know, these things happen, these things happen to me. I could be just driving, then a person just comes to my heart like, not that I have like a word like, hello, I, have a, I had a vision of you. I saw you descending a mountain in a wedding dress. You could have those, but then sometimes that's not how the Spirit of God is going to work with all of us. We need to learn to follow what is known as the witness of the Spirit. The witness of the Spirit. The witness of the Spirit. And you, you see, let me tell you this. What is going to determine the strength of the leading of the Spirit in your heart is your consistent exposure to His ways. Your consistent exposure to his ways. There's a teaching I taught at Charimbana last week. I really, I really recommend that you listen to it to help you. 
You see, because we are living in a, in a, in a time, it's not even on podcast, because other people were also worshipping God in the next room. So the sound was also being fed by other voices. But my voice is still there, so if you are willing, I can share it. You are living in a generation where the leading of the Spirit on your heart really needs to be strong. And I will tell you this. I know you all want visions and encounters. Beautiful. But how many of you have had encounters? Some of you have had one encounter in 2013. It's the only one you talk about. (laughs) No, I saw an angel for how long? It was like a flash. (laughs) But you see, Christianity is a marriage. Christianity is a marriage. And there's a difference between a marriage and a wedding. People are not married when they have a wedding. But when people have a wedding, they are likely to be married. (laughs) A marriage is a process of two people becoming one. And sex is a small component of it, which connects you deeply at soul level. But you see, there are spiritual softwares that God has put in each of us, that marriage is supposed to intertwine so that we can work as one person. So there are times, this is, this is why it's better to marry a person who believes like you. Because now what happens is you become one in the flesh, but then there is, see the flesh, the flesh includes, when we talk about the flesh, right? We're talking about the soul, which includes the mind, the emotions, the feelings, the will. Now, already, even as a believer, your, your mind, your will, your emotions, they're still being transformed. Then now you bring this guy whose mind, will, and emotions have not been transformed, then you become one. So there's already a battle there. So you find that the level of the soul at which you are one is biological. There's a way you connect when you look at each other, you know. <laughs> you know, there's a link there. But then, when it comes to sitting down and say, saying, you know, what the Bible says, I was thinking, what do you think about this? There you can't connect. It's just become like, it's just not there. So there's a certain shallowness you experience. Okay, let me not go deeper there. So Christianity is a marriage of God and man, right? Because we are the bride and is a groom. Now, that marriage is supposed to make you one. It's supposed to culminate into a oneness where God's greatest desire for you is not even necessarily that you should have visions and dreams. It's part of being a Christian. But God's greatest desire is that you become one in thought, 
in speech, in mind, in emotions. So that when you feel God is feeling, when you think God is thinking, and your life story becomes a manifestation of God hiding in a student body. You know, there are people whose lives have no errors, but when you start discussing these, your encounters, nothing. But there's just a marriage they've had with God. Let me show you something. Go to John chapter 14. Verse 23. I'm going to read it. I like this. That's beautiful. I'm going to read the Amplified Classic. It says, Jesus answered, If a person loves me, really loves me, he will keep my word. Then he says, Obey my teachings. Not listen, obey. Do. What will happen? My father will love him. Then he says, We will come to him and make our home with him. This is one of the most powerful verses in the New Testament. A man of God I love so much was explaining one of his encounters and he says, there was an angel that was visiting him. So this one day this angel came and began to explain to him something. And then before that angel left, the angel said, what's your response to, to this because I have to take it to, to heaven. And then the man of God now says, no, 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 don't, don't worry about it. I will tell God because I will speak to him. He's on the inside of me. And then the angel says, no, you have to give me an answer. Then he says, no, 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 I'll tell him. Then the angel looked very frustrated and vanished. And then he noticed that after some weeks, that angel was not coming. So he felt like he sinned against God, he started to repent. Maybe he should come back. I'll tell him. <laughs> and then the Spirit of God now begins to tell, explain to him that that angel lived in the Old Testament era. So he would give a message to the prophet, and if there's a response, he has to take the response back. But he's not privy to Christ in you, the hope of glory. So that angel does not necessarily understand the idea that God is living on the inside of you. So the point I make then is, you see, it's not everything that angels understand, right? That's a topic for another day. But the point I make is, I, I think sometimes some of you underestimate just the idea that Christ in you, the idea that Christ in you is underrated. It's underrated. But God wants to reach a place where you are living on the inside. He's living on the inside of you and your life is just as perfect as it was designed. Hallelujah. Yeah. That's 
inside there. I can tell you stories after stories after stories of how I, the other, like, talk about spectacular visions. Trust me, those, I have had them. <laughs> I even wrote a book. But some of my greatest life stories have been as a result of the leading of the Holy Spirit. And see, there's another man of God I greatly followed, I follow. And this man was for encounters. But then this one time Jesus appeared to him and he says, Jesus says to him, this is the last time I'm going to appear to you. You have to live like the rest of your brothers and sisters going forward because that's how I want you to be living. That's why you're not a spirit. You're a spirit, soul, and body because you are designed to live in this realm. But then... Sometimes, you see, and you see, maybe let me, I don't know how we got here, but you see, you need to be so jealous of how much social media you are putting inside you. Because it's feeding something. Even I am managing that myself, my wife and I, now we check each other's phones. Let's see how much time you've been on TikTok. You, it's not your phone. <laughs> why are you looking at me? I'm your past. I'm the one who's your. Why do you want to look at me? <laughs> so you're sitting here bored. Why don't you get a scripture and read it? You can't. It's far from you. You go to TikTok and watch all non-sinful videos, right? You watch uh, Indians building a, a castle in the forest. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and see, all of you watch benign things. See, now you're watching um, animal videos, lions hunting antelopes. or football short videos, or do-it-yourself videos, the five-minute crafts, and before you know it, one hour has gone. Now, you didn't do nothing. There's a side of you you were feeding. And see, I agree with you that entertainment is important because there's a side of us God created like that. But it should not always be given priority. Because most of the problems you have are not so best, they are spirit based. So like if you keep feeding the side of you which is just there to entertain you, to make you feel nice. You, your problems are not entertainment based. They are destiny based. Are you seeing that? So the, the, the problem we have these days is that the, the, there's a lack of depth. Everything is shallow. Even, even just... Let me show you something. Acts 17 verse 16, I'm reading from the NKJV. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him. 
when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Idols don't get you. You are either given to them or you give yourself over to them. There's a powerful principle in witchcraft called permission. We'll come and talk about that. And I come to talk about witchcraft. <laughs> Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshippers. And in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him and some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak. Remember, this place was given over to idols. You know, some idols are gifts that God gave us. There are some idols which we make an idol of some of the things that God has given us. Right? And Romans chapter 1 says that. talks about worshipping the creature rather than the creator who is forever blessed. Then he says, and because they gave themselves over to vile passions, he gave them over to their desires that men lost the natural wish of a woman and burned with lust for one another, doing abominable things in their bodies. That's Romans chapter 1. So one of the things that Romans chapter number 1 talks about is the gift of passion for sex. So that's a creature that God created. But people turn and give themselves over to it, and it becomes an idol. But it's a gift that God gave. For some people, it's, it's the, even just the gift, even just good things that God gave us can become an idol. And we can use those things to look down on others. And we can use those things to misguide ourselves. I'll give you an example. God wants Moses to die. And he tells him, okay, you performed. I think you're not going to continue with me. We are done. But then the Bible says, God buried Moses. Why? I'll tell you why. <laughs> you see, the Israelites were such a religious people that looking at what Moses did, they were going to embalm him and make an idol out of him. If they could get, if they could get earrings of gold and articles of silver, and when Moses is out, they make a golden calf, a calf, and they begin to worship it. What more a human being who worked wonders among them? So sometimes an idol can come from the good things that God gave you. That's why the Bible says <coughs> stubbornness. is like the sin of idolatry and rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. When a person is stubborn and they are set in their ways, do you, do you ever have those friends who, who you can't guide them? 
If they've decided this is the way, they're like this. They're like this. There's an idol in a person's life that's like this. No one can guide them. They're like this. Then they'll crack a joke at Nkonka for Bible in their song. But the Bible was written by people. Anyways, Kaiba <laughs> Ritum. That's why the Bible forbade them when it comes to the worship of angels. People, there are people who are into. Okay, when I come to talk about witchcraft, then we talk about all these horoscopes and things like that. Let me not lose my way. Now, there's something I want to show you. So, that's why God had to bury Moses. Even Satan came to fight for the body, and I believe one of the reasons is because he wanted to deliver that body to the Israelites. No, 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 why don't you just... He was a great man, he lived among you, who just sought for closure. He knows that they have a problem. That, that, that was his idea. So Michael had to come and fight back for that body. Right? So there are people with idols, and most of those idols are good things. You see, this is why you need to know the law of priorities. Because the moment you misprioritize, you put things over God. The principle in the realm of the spirit is God first. Now, that God can be anything because of free will. So he can replace Jesus from Faka second, then school by Faka first. That's why John says, my, my children, put away idols. He's talking to believers, he says, put away idols. Look at this. So the point I make is, so this place was filled with idols. It was given to idols, right? And I know some of you are just thinking it's demons. No. Also, their love for all kinds of knowledge was an idol. Because here is a man that has come with a strange teaching and they've given him attention. They want to hear him. Not that you shouldn't hear everyone. But these guys used to listen to anyone who would come. They say, ah, oh, he's talking about Jesus and the resurrections. Oh, let's hear him. Some of you people come to your doorstep. Don't even allow them to come in your house. Because before you know it, you are baptized. <laughs> You see, one of the mistakes that Eve made was he gave audience to the devil. She, she gave audience to the devil, rather. What she should have done is not even engage him in debate. Because she, that's an ancient spirit. 
So that spirit knows exactly how to have conversations with human beings to sway them. I don't think people understand. It's a few weeks ago, God gave me, I had this in encounter. So this angel was explaining to me Lucifer, the angel Lucifer. And he began to show me how the kind of mind God gave Lucifer. So God made that angelic personality in such a way that when he is talking to you, he will create pictures in your head because of a political assignment that he had. So when Lucifer is talking to you, he would create pictures in your head so that the reality of what he's talking to you about becomes so vivid in your mind. So I was asking, I was saying, but how? Then he showed me. The Spirit of God showed me something. I'll come back to, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 4. In fact, let's use Luke, Luke's version of this. Luke chapter 4. Are you there? Right. Um, Luke chapter 4, verse 5. Somebody read it to me in the NKJV. Are you seeing that? It's okay. That vision was not from the Spirit of God. Which mountain is that? Where when you stand, you can see the kingdoms of the whole world. So, this creature was created in such a way that it was so convincing. So he takes Jesus to a mountain. Even if it's Everest you're standing on, can you see all the kingdoms of the world? In fact, if you read this scripture in the traditional amplified, it says, then he led Jesus up to a high mountain and displayed before him the kingdoms of the inhabited earth and their magnificence. That means he was, dis he, as he's talking to Jesus, he was showing him. So he had power to show, power to display, and power to convince. So he would show him, this is the kingdom of uh, this is the kingdom of Greece. Greece is powerful because its glory is in taking over territories. It's got many beautiful women. Look, he's showing him all those things. When it comes to food, Wagula Aliafi, then he says, Shoo. This is now the kingdom of the Medes. 
The Mids are very well known for their technological advancement. You know, so you'll be able to use all these gadgets. In fact, uh, but these are my boys. So the way that God created Lucifer was in such a way that when he, there's a wisdom in God. When God speaks, when God is talking to you, his word begins to form pictures. Look at Habakkuk chapter 2. Uh, someone, somebody read verse 2 to me. Habakkuk chapter 2. Right. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets. Ah, start from verse 1. Alright. Habakkuk 2, verse 1. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to Stop me. Stop there. I'm going, I'm going to do what? Watch to see what he will show. Are you seeing that? Watch to see what he will. So there's a wisdom in God where when God is speaking to you, he forms pictures. So when God is talking to you, when you receive a word from God, it brings pictures. That's the wisdom. That was interesting. But remember, the Bible does not say it was taken out from you. The Bible says... He corrupted it. So he still has it. But he uses it as a weapon against it. So anyways, the point I make is there are people that you shouldn't even give an opportunity to listen to. Because the moment you listen to them, they will begin making you see pictures of the boys that they are talking to you about. See, this is why. How do you explain explain convincing one out of three of all the angels that existed in heaven. Do you know the intelligence those beings have? But he convinced them. One out of three. So one when we do the census of heaven. <laughs> All those other, other that I'm going to say one, you stand up. One, two, three. 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 This is the population you managed to convince. <laughs> now just imagine, the rest are the ones who are not convinced. The ones who, can you imagine? And if they have power, there's a chance that they will have a billion deeds. So Michael could really be a strong guy. You can see it. I just wanted you to have a picture. <laughs> of what I'm talking about. So there are people who you should not even give them. That's the mistake that Eve made. 
That's why I say your ex just block. Because if you know that you've moved on and you become a better person, the moment that you begin to listen, then giddy you fall for them again. Meanwhile, you were there when God spoke to you at she's not the one. So I think number one mistake Eve made was allowing a conversation. That's why they said certain thoughts you should not even allow them to have space to express themselves in your mind. The moment that the thought just say, I reject, I cancel, I cancel. I cancel, I cancel, I cancel, I cancel, I cancel. The only, the thought, God taught me something. God trained me how to stop a thought before it progresses. You can tell what, you stopped. answering your question. We're in Act 17, right? One in verse 17. Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshippers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain uh, Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him and said, and some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of some foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know what this new doctrine which you speak of? See, they were too open-minded. That's what I'm saying you should be careful with. If you are open-minded, then you are not, a, you are not properly a Christian who was buried in the word of God. Can't be open-minded. What do you think about a person who wants to be transgender? Well, it's their own. I mean, if they are by the age and they want to choose what they want to choose, you can't be open-minded about issues. You need to pick a side, child of God. You get my point. For you are, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who are there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. They are gossipers. <laughs> then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. Are you seeing that? Listen, this is very important. He says, you are religious people. Hmm. For as I was passing through and considering the object of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Meaning these people were so good, they were open-minded, that if someone has another God, they can put their God there. It's an unknown God, the one we don't know that they want to bring, like your Jesus. He can feature among Vishnu, Shiva, Mrenga Wampanga, and all those things. <laughs> You could feature there. 
<clears throat> and he says they are religious people. In other words, they are good people. If you ever met people who are religious, even when they post, have a blessed day. They're just good people. Now just believe in positive energy. Those are the kind of vibes I'm looking for. They're just good people. And nobody doesn't want positive energy. We all need positive energy. That's good. They're just religious people. I, you know, I have people like that who are always drinking, but in, 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 on Monday morning, they'll post, Lord, guide my steps throughout all the week. Amen. Even Obama used to say, God bless America. Which God? He said, if you're not careful and you're listening to religious people, you think they are, they are, they are, they are okay, they have a point. That's religious people. They are very good people. I know some, they'll be clubbing the whole night. The next day they will find some scripture or something good to say about how it's, you know, I know that all things work together for my good. Yeah. They're just religious people, there's no depth. Most musicians are like that. And that's where the deception is. Because this guy is just about positive energy. It's just, about, it's just about telling people, no, try again, do this, be a better person. <laughs> it's just religion. That's all there is. And even the kind of artists that we have sometimes these days, there's no depth. You will find there are many gods in their lives, and one of them is even unknown, but they have a place for him, like these guys. They have a place for the unknown god in their lives. When you go to some people and you tell them, do you know that this is the kind of demon you worship? Me! Ine! In that fly. Ine! I'll send it to you in your group. They're just good people. So even when it comes to the kind of work that they're doing, they'll, you find this Christian should really be a worship leader, but they're out there featuring all secular artists. Why? Because he's a good person. He's got positive vibes. <laughs> he's got great energy. And we're all human beings. So find there's this album that has come. I'm excited to listen to this album. But when I just look at the features, um, um. <laughs> no, and back then when I was young, I used to write statuses. Oh, I used to talk. I'll just go for them one by one. And now, 
I'll pay attention to the people God has given me, which is you. So if you don't listen, that's your business, at least. I'll give an account over you, not those in the public space. I used to. And, and see these days again, some of those people, they are my friends. <laughs> we relate. That's not good to relate with people. You can't talk. They'll be like, but guy, you should have just told me privately. Then, then now I have to tell them, no, because you are not misleading people privately. So it's, I don't know. And then your relationship is just sour. It's, it's a lot. Anyways, so the point I make is that, that and that's what the deception is. Because being, being, being merely religious sometimes can be misleading. The true spirit of the person who's been religious could be something else. Remember I told you that people, they will post scriptures, they will play a gospel song like that. So, like Satan saying, it is written in Psalm 90. He's talking to Jesus and he says, okay, you quote a lot of scriptures, let me quote one to you. It is written that he will give his angels charge over you. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. So if you're a child of God, that's what the word of God says. They will say the word of God. But at heart, they are Satan. You know, Zambia is a Christian nation. I was watching a certain show, a podcast, and then there's a man of God and an atheist or something like that. Now, I'm talking about the comments. When you look at, you know, sometimes you get curious, you check who commented. And <laughs> 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 you find <laughs> all of them are just drunks. They are a fish, like they drink. <laughs> They are just like, but when you see what they are saying, they are saying, don't say those things, Zambia is a Christian nation. I was shocked one day at, at New Year. I found, uh, I found people in a club, okay, I was passing. Munisungile moyo wanga Jehovah. That's what I mean by Zambia is a very religious. There was a fill up something gig that happened somewhere this side. And see, I can tell you believers by name who went there to have a good time. Okay, see, if Satan tells you, come, I'll be quoting scriptures. Now, don't tell me he won't quote scriptures. He will quote, he quoted to Jesus. They had a great chat studying the word. <laughs> they were discussing the word. If you read the context of the scripture, they were debating over scriptures. But then he wanted, at the end of the day, he wants to lead him somewhere else. Because you see, a religious spirit, the aim of a religious spirit is ultimately to lead you away from God. So it may sound like positive energy, but when you get into these people's lives, now that you think they are great and they've got positive energy, you know, there are people who, it's just depressing. Every time the person is in trouble, like you need prayer guy. Every time you've done something, everyone is upset with you. Like, or just artists. And you say many are good people, but there's a certain depth they refuse to go with, to, to go to with God. Because they know that once they cross that line, 
they are going to lose some people. You know, there's, there's, certain, there's certain line which if you cross, you lose some people, some fans. Jesus had that situation one day when he lost fans. Then now he had to remain with disciples, 12. So the numbers begin to shed off. And people don't want that. I don't want that. You don't want that. You want to be on everybody's good side. But that's not how God called you to be. So you're in trouble. So here, I can show you. Jesus, Jesus has this crowd. They come to him and he, he does bread for them. And they eat, they eat, they are food, they like him. His numbers on social media, boom. Everyone is talking about him. He's their main guy. Because he brought bread. Who doesn't want a guy like that? <laughs> Who's just there to find you? The next day, the next day, he now tells them, okay, if you don't drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no life in you. They said, ah, sad is serious. <laughs> then he repeats, he says, if you, look, you will die in your sins. I'm talking about John 6. If you don't eat my flesh and he says, you guys came to me yesterday because I gave you bread. That's why I've come. Now, let me tell you, your fathers in the desert, they ate bread and they died. And he says, but if you eat this bread I give you, you will never die. He says, ah, now he can give eternal life. <laughs> ah, ah. He's joking. He says, no, I'm serious. Then they say, huh? So you are saying, if we eat your flesh, we eat your flesh. Then we drink your blood. He says, they say, Toa. Let's get out of here. And they left him. And it felt so bad that even the disciples were like. So he had to say, ah, even you people you want to leave, they were about to say, yes, how do you say that in public? You would have at least said. Then the grace of God helped him. It, it was grace that Jesus didn't lose disciples that day. Unasa had a so. Because I can show you in the Bible that that was grace. The Bible says the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it doesn't say that. But Peter said something. <laughs> Peter said something. He says, he says, now, what I meant is the Holy Spirit inspired Peter to say that. He says, where else can we go for you up there? Peter never said that. The Holy Spirit gave him inspiration. That's what I meant. So grace was at work that day. And then Jesus says, who? Yeah. No. Thank you. <laughs> he says, no, no. He says, no, no. I've chosen you indeed. Indeed, now I'm convinced. <laughs> so there's just a certain depth to which some people are not willing to go with you if you go to a certain level of truth. Because now if you can, say, you can say that we can't form partnership between secular people and Christians. Now, now you're insulting us now. What are you saying about our music? Now you're in trouble. You lose fans. People like that. There's one, and I associate with many of these secularities, but you just never know. 
Ivan, Ivan, take a picture. Hey, that's me with toxic one. No. <laughs> we chat. Some of them are my friends. I was remembered talking to someone, and I'm saying to him, you, that he wrote a very good song for a gospel artist. Very good song. You even sing it in church. Hey. Yes. Yeah, but it's wrote for a, 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 a Christian guy. And he said, that song came from a very deep place. Why don't you shit? And I'm talking about a secular guy. Like he put C in secular. <laughs> I'm saying, but why don't you start doing gospel songs? Because you, that song came from a very deep place. I love that song. I'm trying, I was trying to buy him. And he says, I can, I can do it. But mm, I've invested in the secular world. If I leave, I will lose so much. So I tried to tell him, no, but look at Pompey. Pompey was secular, he became gospel. He said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so people are afraid of losing something. That's why there's a certain depth they don't want to get to. And every time you begin get, getting to a certain depth, you begin to shed off some, some people. Because now you become weird. Yeah. By the way, it's normal. People live people's lives. So even Jesus, they left him. So if people have left you, that's okay. Even God is in, ministry, in his ministry, they left him. They even got a third of his members. <laughs> so people leave. So if you've been left, I'm just here to tell you that you're not the first one. Everything will just be fine. Amen. So there's a certain depth people don't want to get to. You, if you just become, there, you know, there are some people you're friends because just a, you've just managed to maintain a certain quantity of worldliness. Yeah. You've shed off most of the things, but there's just that lunch box of worldliness that you've kept. So you did my stupid things. <laughs> That's you. Yeah. Some, some, some of you, you know, like, one girl came to me and said, I was meeting this girl for the first time, and she said to me, I'm breaking up with him, a son in the house. I'm saying, what? He never even told me that he serves in the department. Seriously, I didn't know he was a Christian like this. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> so, in other words, to keep that kind of relationship, there's a certain world in which you have to manage. Because you make sure. So there are some people who are dating old people. You know some worldly girls there. You say, babe, we can't kiss this. Then what are we going to be doing? <laughs> so to keep that girl, because maybe you are so attached, you have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fool. Foolishness had one of oh, you, you said no, it's short. You you now take another one and if, yeah, yeah, yeah. It even as now like even the Donga accent. 
When you properly begin to, dis- to ascend to a certain depth, there are people you begin to lose. Some people, the only reason why you click is because it's a like, My songs you share. I remember one person coming to tell me, you know, when I came to your church, I was shocked that that girl comes to your church. I was shocked. I said, why? Ah, they just didn't look like it, the things I used to post, the things we used to discuss. So now the person now thinks, ah, so this is the church for cool people. So now they want to continue with their coolness. So most of these artists, I think there's just a depth they need to get to. Once God begins to take you to a certain depth, you now start saying, ah, that, that's not me. No, you're the one who used to sing that song, you. That's not me. <laughs> Can you leave me alone? Hallelujah. All right. So in the Bible, there's what is known as the gap theory, because the Bible is a collection of many stories and may not always be chronologically accurate in terms of historical timelines. So, for example, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Then the next verse, verse 2, says, the earth was formless and without void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And then God began to create. Now, in theology, there is what is known as God's perfection. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It is assumed, which is true, and it is the opposition of the character of God, that if God created the heavens and the earth, then the earth cannot then, in the second verse, be formless and void. It means that between verse 1 and verse 2, something happened. Right? So... Between verse 1 and verse 2, that's why there's now a whole lot of science that happened and a whole lot of expelling. So between verse 1 and verse 2, God sent Satan down and in his anger he destroys the world. It's a long topic. I'll come and show you from the book of Jeremiah, the book of Isaiah, what I'm talking about. <clears throat> so when, when you read, let me just give you a quick understanding. When you read Genesis Chapter 1. Let me get the, uh, the Hebrew dictionary because it's something I want you to see. In the beginning, <clears throat> God created the heaven and the earth. The Bible says the earth was without form and void. Now, the Hebrew word was is hayah. Was. Now, one of the, the meaning, one of the meanings, the first meaning is it existed, that means the earth existed as formless and void, right? But another meaning of the word, the second meaning is the word became. It's a synonym. When you listen to the voice note that I sent, that I did with Chalimbana, it will give you a deeper understanding because I, 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 I discussed some of these things. So when you're looking at a word that has synonyms, you may want to interchange if you have to understand context properly because sometimes context is, is missed through trans- translation. 
right? So in other words, another way you can read this is by saying, the earth became without form. That means something happened. And this is why uh, even the, the, what, 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 what augments this argument is the ne- are the next words which God says. And God said, let there be light. The word let there, even in its English texture, is a permissive word. It's not a creative word. So that means light was there, but it was covered by darkness because of the judgment that God made out on the earth. But then he now says, let there be light, and the sun was uncovered. So there is some of the things God did. He was not necessarily creating. He was recreating. And some of the things that were given, he was permitting back. Because between verse 1 and verse 2, there was the expelling of Lucifer and his guys from heaven to earth. And that fall of Lucifer, according to my theory, came with a lot of damage that happens to the earth realm. That's why the angel says, joy to the heavens, but war to the earth and its inhabitants. Because when Lucifer was in heaven, he was thrown down with a number of angels. And as they came down with God's anger, the world was destroyed. So two things. There was a destruction that happened. Have you ever read about the Ice Age period? <clears throat> okay, maybe when I come back, I'll, I can discuss this in a little bit more scientific detail. You know? But that's why you notice that mankind is 6,000 years old. Mankind, okay, the C14 carbon dating evidence of mankind dates back to only 14,000 years old for the oldest skeleton ever discovered after extensive research by archaeological individuals, 6,000. But uh, the earth itself, the scientific evidence present for the earth is that it spans over billions of years. So that means there was a world before Adam was created that existed, that was destroyed. That's why God says to Adam, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it. Meanwhile, he put him in a small area of the earth, but he told him to expand his kingdom to the whole earth because the earth had been destroyed. And there was already an evil spirit called the devil who was already moving where he was expelled. So, the point I make is these guys lived uh, a lot of years. So by the time you're being told, Abel was born, Cain was born, then the next thing you're told is, as they were in the field, how do you know that was 300 years later? And between then, a lot of people had been born and they had even gone to different places. So it's a gap theory. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Excuse me, the earth was formless and void. <coughs> Between verse 1 and verse 2, there is then one day, Lucifer did this. There's a whole Revelation chapter what? They are being explained, and Ezekiel and Jeremiah 
explaining their prophecies. But then the Bible, ah, it's just like, you know what, the earth was formless and without body. <laughs> and in truth, that's, when I, that's why I said I don't know, because I, I, was, I was running away from a long explanation. <laughs> so people, and see the rate at which those guys were, multi, was, were multiplying was amazing. It was, it was exponential. Exponential prolification. They were just multiplying. So they just didn't have Cain, Abel, and Seth. No. A lot of people were born from them because God said to fill the earth. And they were going out like that. They were going out like that. So we find by the time Cain, maybe he was going there, he was 500 years old. By the time he was performing, he was 450 years old. Because Adam died about 935 years old. Or somewhere there. So he's and the people who lived longer than him, Methuselah lived for 969 years old. You know, Noah was about 120 something years when God was giving them a project. He's the young guy now ready to start a project. <laughs> so that's, there's a theological concept called the gap theory. You can read. Can read about it.